following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. On paper, it sounded like a great idea. Let's recreate Woodstock to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the Peace and Love Music Festival that sat at the epicenter of the hippie movement. Groovy. But what followed was four days of carnage. What's up, you cool cats and kittens? Welcome back to another episode of Get In, Loser. We're starting a podcast. Wait a fucking minute. It's your boy. It's your boy, Cheetah. And as always, joined here by my other fellow podcasters. Yo, it's all Choopy Tam. What up? Wait a fucking minute. This is boy Chop. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Why the fuck you quoted fucking Karen fucking Basklin? It's Karen Basklin. It's Karen Basklin. Oh, man. Why do you say any of the stupid shit you say on here every week? Hey, I don't say cool kids and kids over here. Yeah, you say shit way stupider, so... Yeah, motherfucker, I'll push you down the elevator shaft. Yeah, okay. Solid reference. That shit was funny. What's up with you, you fucking cool little kitty over there? Yeah, what's up, cool. guys? Yeah. Same old shit. Same old shit. How, how was life? How, how was your week? Oh, God. Very strange uh, recording on a Saturday this week. Kind of threw a, me off I'm going to fucking throw those cameras. That's why I'm more hustle today. Yeah, yeah, sorry about the delay uh, this week, guys. I appreciate you guys um, working with me. I got some some stuff going on, so I had to move my schedule around a little bit. So that's why we're recording a little late. It's actually, you know, what? On one hand, it's kind of nice because it gave me a lot more. It gave me a little bit more time to research to like get some research done for this. Yeah, I was feeling that. Well, like too. at the same time, Saturdays are usually the end of my week because then I have off Sunday. So like by the end of by Saturday, I'm like fucking beat. Yeah. Man, this is my so I was like, I got out of work today, and I'm like, fuck, I don't want to do the pod, but I have to. So yep. I'm like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to do it, Gidro, you know? Yeah, as soon as I came home, uh, Chupa was over my house, just hanging out. That's what that's what the, that's what the homies do. Uh, <laughs> as soon as I was knocking off, I said, dude, you, your phone going off. Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, I fucking fell asleep for two hours. <laughs> took a two-hour nap. No, not you. <laughs> Mr. Not Mr. Narcolepsy himself. Yeah, right. Man, I forgot I got narcolepsy. If you ever became a wrestler, that should be your name, Mr. Narcolepsy. Yeah, guess what my favorite movie is, The Sleeper. Yeah, where you'd just <laughs> fall asleep on top of them. <laughs> but yeah, what's uh, what's going on with you guys? What's up with you, Choop? Fuck, tell, man. Tell the listeners what's going on here, man. Yeah, I got a fucking... Uh, I'm wrapped up like a mummy over here and shit. I uh, fucking cut myself at work with a razor blade. I got like six stitches on my hand. It's fucking great. Uh, yeah, I got a tetanus shot in my fucking arm. That shit hurts like a motherfucker, dude. I hate tetanus shots, bro. Them shits hurt for like a week after. Um, I stuck a fucking razor. I was pulling these parts out of a box. I stuck a razor blade in the top flap of the box uh, so I can grab it like whenever I needed it. But I wasn't thinking that fucking... A quarter inch of the razor blade was sticking out the other side. An hour later, I, like, forgot all about it. The fucking thing was even there. 
go to reach in, grab the farthest part to the side of the box, pulled it out, and slit the whole Ooh. side of my fucking palm open, dude. Yo, yeah. it was fucking bleeding so fucking bad, too. I'm like, yo, like, what the fuck? How can I? I wasn't trying to leave work, because I, shit, I ain't trying to miss no work. I need them hours, bro. Yeah. So I'm like, fuck. I'm like, yo, I'm about to take my sock off and tie that motherfucker <laughs> around my hand, bro. Turn around, here comes my fucking uh, supervisor walking up. I'm like, fuck, <laughs> They're like, what's all this blood enough? Uh, it's ketchup. <laughs> I, had a, I just ate a hot dog. That's crazy. Yeah, fucking Wreck-It Ralph over here. Fucking, uh, on the way to work this morning, mom was telling me how you called her and pranked her a little bit. She's like, I was ready to beat your fucking brother's ass. <laughs> I was like, oh boy. I was like, well, better him than me. Yeah, I fucking love my mom. No, she's like, oh my God, what mm-hmm. happened? You know moms are all yeah. fucking... Super worried and shit. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I'm just getting some stitches, ma. Uh, she's like, what? Where? What's going on? I was like, oh, they're just saying like 25, 40 <laughs> stitches. Yeah, she was freaking she's freaking out. She's like, this what? Morning. Where are you right now? <laughs> Chill out, mom. It's just like five or six or something. Yeah, she was telling me this morning. She's like, doesn't your brother know I'm old now? I can't handle this kind of stuff anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been pranking her like that for years, dude. I'm yeah, surprised she doesn't fucking. See right through that shit by now. Fucking also, I just want to mention the fucking chop called me yesterday to let me know what happened to you. And literally, I couldn't understand a word this dude was trying to tell me. He's like, You're a wire, brother. <laughs> and I'm like, What? He's like, Your brother's hand. And I'm like, What about my brother's hand? He's like, Oh, he's out of work. And I'm like, What? He said, Yeah, he hurt his hand. He's got stitches. He's out of work. And I'm like, uh, All right, man. Good talking to you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I was like laying I was sitting I was literally laying there Watching Tosh.0 oh, man This guy just calls me And I'm just like What are you talking about Gossip dude? queen over here And then he I'm like You know what He had the tea he And I'm like smoke. You know what If it's serious I was like Somebody will call me Fuck it Yeah thanks for checking in On me after you heard You know I was going to but... <laughs> No I'm just playing man I thought you were gonna say About Chop uh, Thinking it was his episode This yeah, week Yeah he also thought that too Yeah it was here Yeah So he called He called Cheetah And then he texted me too Why the fuck Did you text me too If you already called Cheetah I don't know Or did you probably Text both of us See who answered first Yeah That was first <laughs> I almost didn't answer too I was looking at him I'm like fuck What does this guy want You know I love Chow, man, but sometimes, you know, you do the pod together. Sometimes you need a little break after. You know, it gets heated here sometimes. We need a little break from each other. Fairfax. But, yeah, man, what's up with you, Chop? What's, what's going on, man? Anything interesting? Uh, Anything noteworthy? I'm going to follow, boy. Uh, <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yo, how about this shit? I'm going to take, take a page off of Cheetah's book. The the government is finally confessing. Are they doing the UFA trials right now? Yes, dude, that shit. I think the one guy's like, "Oh, I'm not supposed to give you that information." I'm like, motherfucker, you're on trial. Here, here's, yeah, let's not talk too much about that because I think that should be a future episode, bro. Because that's big. News, but also, bro. here's my thing about it: is that the government's finally admitted to it. It's to distract you from something else. Yeah, because they're not going to drop a bomb that big if it ain't to distract you from something even bigger. If you guys are fucking uh, familiar with Project Bluebeam. Bluebeam? Yeah, you mean blue, was... blue balls? <laughs> nah, nah. <laughs> Project Bluebeam, uh, they've been talking about this for years and years, saying that eventually the government's going to stage a fake alien invasion. Oh, wait a minute. No. They, no, not them. No, 
They did something like that back in the 40s when the radio dude was like, Oh, God, let's go. Didn't, uh... Cheetah's very right, before you say that real quick, but you're very right to be, uh... Be mindful when big news drops to be looking at what they're trying to distract you from. That is very true. Yeah, how about the how about the time when the government was trying to do something, try, but then Ohio fucking got their own people name now. What? What? Fuck, dude! You, you know, like Florida people. Now Ohio people got their own fucking. Yeah, Ohio people is are. Uh, yeah, they. Uh, Ohio's a different. Uh, what the fuck was I gonna say? Dimension. I forgot what I was gonna say. What were you talking about? Oh, oh I was going to say, Ohio. didn't we talk about this a little bit? Uh, one of the alien episodes we did, didn't we talk about something like this where the like Russian government at one point tried to like fake an alien like crash or something like that? I could be thinking of something else, but I could have swore we talked about that at one point. I don't recall, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and it's there all, was something it's like that. They faked strange. something. It's awfully strange that that um, happened. Right after, remember seeing that video uh, in like California of those guys saying that a uh, UFO crashed in their backyard and that there was actual aliens walking around their backyard. <laughs> man, you know it does know, seem man. a little coincidental that all this shit's happening like right now. Yeah, so I think it's also coincidental that it's happening right now after news broke of uh, the Obama chef being found his dead body. But who am I? I'm Nothing just a to see there. I'm sure. I think he found, found out that Michelle as a wiener, and he was going to tell the world. <laughs> found floating face up in a pool. Well, he was in like a little like lake near their house. Even still, apparently there was also a picture of like Bill Clinton in a dress. Well, <laughs> there's a picture, I guess, of uh, Obama and one of his daughters in a, like a paddle boat in that same lake. I guess. So they're saying like maybe his daughter helped. Put the body there, maybe or something. Oh man, that's a little too far. I don't want to get into it without all the facts, but shit, the truth's stranger than fiction a lot of times. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm just saying it's definitely very strange that Suspect. you know they they do all these. They come out now to like admit all this shit that we've been saying for years that it's true. So it like makes you think like, what's the next big thing that's gonna happen? They're gonna try and shade you from. Get you distracted by the Bro, UFO trials. Bro, I feel like we're, we've been lied to about our history, man. I felt like oh, that sure. forever, dude. I'm sure. It, the, UFOs are even in the Bible, bro. Not to get on like a religious tip, but they're even in the Bible. The Watchers. Dude, there's... Man. There might not be any like physical proof of it, or like any proof that you know people would actually believe, but I'm almost, I can almost guarantee you that aliens have been here. Before at some point throughout bro, history, bro, it's not just um, this trial. It, the Canadian Minister of Defense, once he retired, came out and said that uh, they were crafts that they know didn't belong to anyone on Earth. Ah, I knew it. it. I fucking knew it. There's all types of um, army guys and shit who've seen said they've seen Navy guys saying that UFOs come out of the water. Yeah, there's also that one guy that. Uh, they're like NASA scientists or whatever that went on the Joe Rogan podcast. He was talking about it. Yeah. How he worked for Area 51. They literally did tests of like UFOs and shit. Yo, okay. So um, Operation Paperclip, the, when they brought all the Nazis over to the U.S. Um, covertly and uh, started using them for like science programs and NASA, Warner Von Braun, who was like the founder of NASA, when he died, he had a Bible quote put on his grave. Uh Wonder Von Braun. 
Yeah. She's a notorious Nazi. Nazis are cool. Uh, hold on. I mean, Nazis yo, are uh, not cool. Yo, yo, Chew, if you're looking it up. Uh, I got it right here. Oh. Go, go ahead. Go ahead, girl. Uh, I'm not getting off topic, but you fucking seen these fucking players getting hurt. Uh, Joe Burrows might be out for a couple weeks, couple few like almost a month or so. Uh, Ramsey might be out for almost two two and a half three months. I'm not going to get off topic. Proceeds to get off topic. <laughs> fucking guy. All right, here's so here's the quote he's got on his fucking gravestone: "The heavens declare the glory of God." And the firmament showeth his handiwork. The firmament is strange that they say that because flat earthers believe that the firmament is a dome that encapsulates the world. Hmm. But it, isn't that strange that he's got that on his... The guy who devoted his whole life to space travel and science and shit has got that on his gravestone. If that no, don't say something... Me. That shit's wild, bro. Well, but... uh Speak to what Chop was saying. Yes, I have seen all of these players getting hurt. How do they let Joe Burrow get hurt though? No, it's training camp. It's man. training camps because if you think that's what happens. Yeah, but still, the guy, the player that fucked him up, probably got in a lot, a lot of trouble. No, it, it was more. It wasn't when I saw the video of it. He fucked himself up. Yeah, it was a because if you think about it, these players, don't condition condition themselves. That's why a lot of these guys will, you know what I mean? They'll take, like, two or three months right before training camp starts to start, like, working out and shit. And that's why yeah, you got to get themselves ready yeah, so they don't get hurt the during training shape. camp. Yeah. Who else? Jalen Ramsey? Ooh, oh, that's dude, a big yeah, one he, he had a meniscus knee. Ooh, meniscus, yeah. Dude, I really want to see Jalen Ramsey. He's not, he's not going to be ready for him and Stefan Diggs' war. Right. Yeah, I want to see right. him get shut the fuck down so we can all laugh. Oh, he him. might get shut the fuck down because his knee. Oh, man. And then... uh I also seen a video today on Twitter when I was leaving work. Travis Kelsey taking a swing at one of the players at the Chiefs training camp. Guy, like, nice. put his arms around him when Kelsey grabbed a ball. So Kelsey turned around and fucking decked him. The training camp, you always see your linemen fighting each other. Hell, yeah. They'd be iron sharpens it, iron, man. That's what they say. But, yo. Anything other? Any other interesting bits to talk about real quick? I got anything to plug or hell no. Hell also, real quick, did you know that? Speaking of fall, that you're going to see Fall Out Boy. Did you see that they made a cover of a modern cover of uh, "We Didn't Start the Fire"? You know that song by Billy Joel. Mm-mm. They made a modernized cover of it. I guess they wrote it with Billy Joel. It's actually pretty good. Bro, Fall Out Boy, bro, that like brings me back to like 2005. All of a sudden, I'm in high school again. Oh yeah, you wanna fire, fire? I'm back to 2006. I'm losing my virginity, <laughs> and then listening to "Thanks for the Memories" yo, on the way home. Yo, yo, I know, I know, I'm going off back off topic again. But those those Canadian fires, what if they're fucking hiding something from us? Because all these Southern Canadians catching a fire, they fucking smoking the fucking bear came from Canada. Remember when he said what he was gonna st- he was gonna start the episode with Smokey the Bear quote and then literally went yeah, complete yeah, opposite yeah, yeah. way. Oh, what a guy! My man Chop is a gem, dude. A national treasure, bro. One hundred percent. Hell yeah, Smokey. You never fucking know what's gonna come out of that guy's mouth. Fuck That's no. the best part. I'm over here. You gotta put a filter on. Oh fuck you, bitch! I ain't fucking no no filter in my fucking ass. But uh, <laughs> all right, we're already. You know, I don't want to run too 
I don't want to run too late because I want to go home and go to sleep. Facts. But, uh, yeah, so if you guys, obviously, if you heard from the, the, um, the intro, this week we're doing something that I've personally been wanting to talk about for a while, only because I watched a documentary about it last year on Netflix. And before watching the documentary, I, like, knew about it, but I didn't know how fucking wild the story actually was. And, like, yo, this is one of the most, like, this is like Firefest before Firefest was a yeah, thing. Yeah, fucking heater of an episode, dude. Dude, this is a fucking great topic. wild shit. Yeah, uh, uh, what's crazy, too, is uh, this shit happened in 99. The first Coachella happened a year later. So if this um, would have went well, they probably could have had a Woodstock every year recurring. Like, oh, Coachella, yeah. Because Coachella They'll probably never have another one now. Yeah, it's totally, yeah. totally ruined now. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, so, yeah, this week we're going to dive into... Uh, we're going to dive into Woodstock 99. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, the organization behind it. And then, you know, talk a little bit about the fucking insane lineups they had. Like, literally none of the, almost none of these bands you would think would be all be at the same concert together. Bro. There's so much shit that, like, when I first seen the lineup, I'm like, what the fuck is, ha- what are half these people? like? Right, even it's doing It's wild. That. Yeah, it's fucking wild. This lineup is fucking Top tier though. Oh yeah, for sure. If All the, over the fucking place, but top tier. For if sure. it would have went, if like the concert itself wouldn't have turned into a shit show, the whole thing, this would have been one of the greatest, like, probably one of the greatest music festivals ever, probably. And they had, a, but they had a lot of filler though too. I was surprised by like how many no name fucking bands were. But those no, chance. but those no name bands came popular after a while. Not all. No, not all. Of them. A lot not. of the bands, bands that were on this concert are never heard of again. Pretty much, <laughs> or they had like one hit one and then disappeared. But I have been going to concerts and seeing like um, the undercard or the openers has introduced me to a lot of different good music though too. Yeah, so I, like, I feel what you're saying though. I'm saying like when like when I go to a show, like I don't know who the fuck is who the fuck his band is. I always got to give him a chance. Though. I always give him a chance. But I can't live music compared to studio music is completely two different things. But if they're in live, they can fucking shred. I'm gonna check these guys out. Yeah, facts. there's a lot of guys that like I'll listen to their like live shit, and I think they sa- I think they sound just as good live as they do, like recorded. You know what I mean? Like there's this band that uh, Henry put me on. This band Youth Fountain. I listen to one of their live uh, songs. It's actually really fucking good. Sick. If those guys ever came here, I'd go to that concert. Oh. In They're called the Youth Fountain. The Youth Fountain. They're a great band. They're like a pop punk kind of band like blink 182 ish but yeah so uh let's dive into the, the woodstock rabbit hole yo tell me woodstock 99 we can't we, we got a monster the original woodstock the love and Jimi hendrix and well yeah everyone knows what the original woodstock is it's iconic this is meant to be a 30th anniversary of the original woodstock they wanted to, you know, celebrate what came before, but also make it, you know, fucking, you know, whatever. whatever. I don't know what I was saying. I lost it real fast. Yeah, well, let's get into this one first, and then we can always kind of jump back. If we need yeah. To so uh, Michael Lang, one of the original organizers of the fir- the very first Woodstock and also of Woodstock 94, which Woodstock 94 kind of came and went pretty fast because, uh, you know, it didn't 
do very well. Yeah, it was kind of a da- disaster. It rained the whole time. Yeah, and they they ended up uh, later on dubbing it Mudstock. Yeah. <laughs> and it uh, led gate crashers to breach fences and attendees to throw mud at each other and the performers, uh, leading to a large financial loss and negative press coverage. Lang and uh, John Schur, who was a New Jersey concert promoter, who uh, teamed up with Lang to, for the 30th anniversary. They uh, began organizing plans for the festival in the fall of 1998. Soon, Schur quickly became began scouting for multiple high-profile acts of the time to draw media and popular attention for the festival. Rome, Mayor, Rome, New York, that's where they put the concert on at. Uh, Rome's Mayor Joseph Griffo received Lang's proposal for the festival and approved it in an effort to revitalize the area and attract funding. Holding a press conference with fucking Hillary Clinton to announce the the festival once the venue was secured. Organizers had attempted to hold a European leg of the festival in Wiener Nostertaud, Austria. (laughs) Wiener (laughs) Town. On the weekend prior to the festival in Rome... This version of the festival was ultimately canceled, and Lang stated that more time that more time than available was required and able to hold a safe event. Damn, he was about to eat those words, bro. Mm-hmm. So the even the fucking bet, like like you said in the intro, dude, the fucking uh, on paper, this shit was fire as fuck, dude. They had at that uh, Air Force Base, yeah, old fucking uh, Air Force Base, decommissioned Air Force Base. Right. Uh, Griffiths Air Force Base. So they had all these fucking hangars and shit that you could, like, party in and fucking... Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about one of those hangars in a little bit. <laughs> one of them hangars became a uh, pretty popular spot. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the festival was held on the east side of Rome at the former Griffiths Air Force Base, a super fun cleanup site. Uh, the U.S. Air Force had demi- decommissioned and closed the B-52 base and not... September 1995, and the area was later developed as Griffith's Business, Business and Technology Park. During this time, the, bar, the base was largely unused and in poor condition. Uh, the promoters were determined to avoid the gate crashing that had occurred at previous festivals, so Lang and Schur categorized the site as defensible, installing a 12-foot wall of plywood and steel to prevent gate crashing. Lang later dubbed this the Peace Wall as organizers invited numerous volunteers to paint on the sections of the panels. Uh, in addition to the wall, approximately 500 New York State police, uh, police troopers were initially planned to provide security. In addition to two main stages, facilities included several alternate stages, a nighttime rave hangar, a sports park, and a film festival sponsored by the independent film channel held in a former airplane hangar. So, yeah, I mean, they... Dude, in theory, like, when they went into, like, building all this shit and, like, putting everything together, it sounded like... At the time, it sounded like they were about to put on one of the greatest festivals ever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they had everything. They had this huge fucking base to work with. You know what I mean? They're inviting all these people. They're putting up all these protections, you know, this peace wall and shit to let people know, oh, you know, we're here to have fun. We want you guys to have fun. But, you know, that didn't last very long. 
Uh, Woodstock 1999 was conceived and executed as a commercial venture with dozens of corporate sponsors and included the presence of vendors and modern accoutrements such as ATMs and email stations. What the fuck is an email station? You've got mail. You got those. You got mail from the Some hippies. Some outdated bullshit. All I keep thinking about is I went to my first concert in 2004, and it was the Family Values Tour. I wish I was five years older. I might have been at this motherfucker. Yeah, but yeah, maybe you wouldn't right. be able to talk about it. <laughs> right, 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 right. Still would be, probably be an experience if right. you made out alive, you know? Wait uh, a minute. You can still go. You'd be 11 years old. Like, yeah. <laughs> sure. Hope to avoid the large losses at Woodstock 94. Uh, planning for the 1999 event to to, uh, to turn a profit. This resulted in numerous count cutting, cost cutting measures such as extensive subcontracting on once on on site amenities. Uh, advanced tickets for the event were priced at 150, uh, equivalent to 260 dollars in 20 in 2022. That's not cheap, man. And at the time. Uh, considered costly for a festival of this type. Tickets purchased at the gate cost purchased at the gate. They cost one hundred and eighty dollars. Damn, that's at the gate. Is that for one day or for the whole festival? Uh, I think it's the whole festival. It's pretty. It's pr- when you think about what you're getting, like we get to see for that. It's, it's not really that bad. Yeah, I feel but, like for what it turned into. But what it's, it turned into yeah. is yeah, right. Uh, there were about <laughs> four hundred thousand attendees. Yeah. A total of 100 or 1,800, fuck, 100, fuck, 100,983 tickets were sold according to reports shortly after the festival. A gross take of 28 million. Yeah, 28.8 mil. Yeah. Uh, ticket sales were advertised as being capped at 250,000, the capacity of the venue. So yeah, the venue only had a capacity of two hundred fifty thousand people. Like this big ass base only had two hundred thousand two hundred fifty thousand people, and they left four hundred thousand in there. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, uh, that is so many people, bro. Yeah, it has been as estimated that ticket sales were worth sixty million dollars in revenue, but that number appears to have been based on believing there were four hundred thousand paid attendees. Ticket sales may have been under underreported to avoid. Extra payouts to Rome and Oneida County. <laughs> Man, these motherfuckers are like, hey, we got this. What? We don't got this shit. Motherfuckers pocketing bread, dude. Fuck, pop- fuck yeah, them, let them in, dog. They were cutting corners on everything, dude. They weren't, you know. And see, that's why, like, it kind of is, like, almost. It's almost, like, poetic how it should happen. Because Woodstock, the original Woodstock's all about, like, peace and love and, like, the hippie movement and shit. And this is uh, kind of like a capitalist venture. Yeah, know, this is like, like oh, we want to get fucking almost. paid. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right. We want to make money off the back of one of the greatest music festivals in history. So, you know, so of course, you know, people around this time in 99, they're like, fuck, you know, all we've ever heard about growing up was how awesome Woodstock is. Right. Of course, I want to go fucking experience it. Yo, if you guys had to go, go to Woodstock 69, the original Woodstock. Will you be doing, like, acid shrooms Dude, I'd be shit? doing fucking everything. Yes. I'd be shooting acid up my butt, dude. I don't even care. <laughs> yo, I'm trying that, everything. Yo, that, no, you can't shoot acid up your butt. I'll try it. I'll find a way. 
I'll liquefy it, put it on a needle, and shoot Dude, it in my there, eyeball. Dude, there are droplets, so if you drop one in your butt, I mean. Yo, I want to go to a music festival so badly just to, like, you know, just, like, make a, find like, a bunch of fucking white girls with, like, dreads, dude. Just, like, make out with them and shit, dude, you know? <laughs> yeah, dude, like, I want to go to a festival so bad, bro. Just, like, join a cult accidentally. That'd be sick. <laughs> like, fucking you know, Theo. You know, um, I'm trying, like, every time I would see these, like, uh, there's a four-course festival coming soon. There's, like, damn, I, like, if I had the money or had the time. You know what I've Yo, always wanted? It's, it's not the money. It's just if I had the time. You know what I've always yeah. wanted to but go to? But it's also the money as well, too. You know what I've always wanted to go to? Me and Chop have talked about it for fucking years. If we ever got a chance to go, we would. Tomorrowland. Fucking Tomorrowland. What is that? Dude, it's like a fucking huge Oh, with the, all the lights, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. All, all the lights and all, all the best oh, DJs in the world. Yeah, I'd love to go to that. Dude, or like Burning that'd Man. that'd be fucking insane. Yo, Coachella. Yo, if we go to Burning Man, I'm fucking, we're going to light a motherfucker on fire. Yeah, if I go to Coachella, <laughs> dude, I'm sticking my fingers in a woman's butt. Dude. I'm sticking my thumb in her butt. I don't care. Make sure you smell it. Don't fucking wait in the hallway. Dude. That was fucking uncalled for. I would say if you go stick the thumb in your butt, if you go stick the thumb in the butt, you can't make sure it smells. You're fucking disgusting. You can't make sure it smells good. Then you poke, then you poke your rot, you poke your meat stick in her. You fucking disgust me. Jesus. Yeah. Do you agree with that shoot? I ain't saying nothing, man. Figured butt hole. I'm not agreeing with that shit, bro. Nah, it'll be either. A fucking uh, sick, sick motherfucker. All right, chap. Go wait outside. <laughs> <laughs> well, then fuck, fuck you guys. I, I started my own controller. Uh, <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> Crochella. <laughs> <laughs> the promoter stated a figure of $38 million in original <laughs> production costs. Uh, that was not including damages, fees, or emergency costs. Promoters had originally budgeted the festival at $30 million. Uh, Rome itself became a draw for attendees who patronized its bars, restaurants, and stores and stayed in its hotels for the concert's duration. The Oneida County Convention and Visitors Bureau estimated that the festival attendees spent as much as $40 million in Rome over the weekend. So, I mean, this was huge for everybody, dude. The city of Rome, New York, got fucking bank off this right. concert. brought a lot of money in, for sure. Yo, yo, I could imagine Rome, the leaders, but they, um, off of James on the Bob. Oh, hey, baby, yeah, okay, yeah, so look by Rome, New York, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Woodstock 99 was also simulcast on pay-per-view television with reports of 500,000 purchases. In addition to documenting the performers... MTV's pay-per-view coverage included coverage of the site and Vox Pop interviews with attendees, which some reporters later considered to resemble gonzo journalism. Which uh, gonzo journalism is a style of journalism that is written without claims of objectivity, often included the reporter as part of the story using a first-person narrative. Like Hunter Thompson. Yeah. But funny story, without giving anything away, Almost everybody in attendance of the concerts fucking hated MTV. They hated that MTV <laughs> was there. So literally MTV and Carson Daly got fucking tortured the entire time they were there. Yo, Carson Daly's so on much. fucking Today Show. Yeah, everybody hated him so much they got fucking tortured pretty much. Uh, with 500,000 purchases of the $60 simulcast passes, revenues could have been as high as $30 million. Five years earlier, Woodstock 94 had made over $9 million on its pay-per-view sales to 220,000 households. Uh, other revenue came from CD and DVD sales after the festival. Yeah, hold on. Uh, yo, Choop, 
I think I think I've, if I remember the story right, I think you asked your mom or dad, it's like, hey, can we buy what stock? They say, fuck no. <laughs> we don't have that kind of money. Like, come on, if, if what, you tell them, like, hey, if you don't want me be the one of these fucking rockstars be on drugs and alcohol, hey, give me the pay-per-view. <laughs> uh, when speaking of, you know, the concert, uh, Sure said, we knew we'd make a significant on-site profit. Uh, it's all about the after-show marketing. We believe that we have a great event to build upon. Sure, Lang, and Griffo held press conferences on the morning of each day of the festival, as well as the morning, as well as the morning of the day after. Uh, as for vendors, vendors paid five hundred dollars. Uh, equivalent to $880 in 2022 to sell at Woodstock during the four-day festival. There were many non-vendors who attempted to sell on a smaller scale on the paths to and from the concert and camping areas. So, I mean, they're going, you know, it's going big, man. And it's wild. You guys want to talk about this fucking... Uh, Want to get into this lineup now, dude? Want to get a little bit into yeah, this lineup? Yeah, of... let's get some of this lineup because the lineup is fucking crazy, bro. So yeah, uh, uh see, so let me go through some. Yeah, go ahead. All right, uh, many of the high-profile acts uh, were Red Hot Chili Peppers, Metallica, DMX, Limp Bizkit, Corn, Alanis Morissette, Kid Rock, and Creed. Those are just the big ones, but right there, you see, you got rap, you got rock, you got fucking alternative, you got fucking whatever the fuck Kid Rock is. Um, who else? Why no acts that performed at the original Woodstock Festival took the stage at Woodstock 99. Two individuals did. John Entwistle of The Who performed a solo set, and Mickey Hart, who was the drummer of The Grateful Dead, played with his band Planet Drum. Jeff Beck was scheduled to perform but had to cancel due to a scheduling conflict. He had been scheduled to perform at the original Woodstock Festival, however, his band broke up the week before. Uh, although the Doors rejected an offer to play at the first Woodstock, the guitarist Robbie Krieger was a surprise addition to Creed set, performing the Doors' Roadhouse Blues. Only five acts on the bill, Collective Soul, Live, Metallica, Sheryl Crow, and the Red Hot Chili Peppers had performed at Woodstock 94. Uh... John Davis from Corn said that the management group, The Firm, rented a Boeing 737 for his band Limp Bizkit and Ice Cube to fly all three dire- artists directly from Southern California to Syracuse for of the course. festival. Um, other bands, we got... Uh, well, well, hold on real quick before you get into the other bands. I just want to say, like, that first day of the concert, that Friday, here's just a couple of people they had just that Friday. They had fucking Sugar Ray, Sheryl Crow... DMX, The Offspring, Corn, and Bush. That was just that first day on Friday. And then Saturday's, fucking, day, Saturday's fucking stacked, too. Let's hear it. Saturday, they got The Tragically Hip, nice. Kid Rock, Wyclef John, Counting Crows, Dave Matthews Band, Alanis Morissette, Limp Biscuit, Rage Against the Machine, and then ending with Metallica. That's a fire night, dude. Yeah, and then for the last I feel like day, they just ramped up the craziness. <laughs> pretty <laughs> it much, it was almost like destined to fucking have something. Then the last day of the concert, they had uh, Al Green, 
Willie nice. Nelson, Brian Setzer Orchestra, fucking Everlast. That's a band I haven't heard in fucking forever. Uh, Elvis Costello, Jewel, Creed, and then Red Hot Chili Peppers. Fucking insane clown posse's in the mix there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're in there too. Yo, yeah. uh, he just named the East Stage. Yeah, that that was all East Stage. Yeah, there's performers. like three different stages, right? Yeah, the, and the fucking uh, techno hanger. Uh, the West Stage. Let me just name the West Stage people. West Stage, you got uh, Spitfire. Oh, I think the West Stage was more the. Do we know who these guys are? <laughs> no, I don't. Right. I'm not Book recognizing Cherry. a regular. Insane clown. Insane clown posse was on Friday night. Friday. Uh Yeah, they also have a band called the Umbilical Brothers. What a name! Oh, they're an Australian comic duo. So they just had a bunch of comedians there just wait, chilling. Wait, Spitfire did, Spitfire did another day too. Lit. Was there, you know, the oh, yeah. My Worst Enemy guys? The Roots? The Roots? Damn. Quest I think, dude, dude, That's I think, fucking I hilarious. Think West, the West stage was more the hip-hop. Yeah. Yeah, they had like another that. stage. Uh, the, it was called the Emerging Artist Stage. Fuck. Which is like uh, FON, Linda Rufferford, and the Celtic Fire, Animal Planet, Sugar Daddy, Sticky Pistol. Bijou Phillips, Mike Errico, King Konga, Ben Lee, Beth Hart Band, Liars Incorporated, Kiss McDermott, and Moby. Who would have known that of all those people, Moby would be the one who's still a a household name to this day? (laughs) uh, Like you'd put stock in Moby being the one who fucking makes it. You remember that motherfucker, Jamiroquai? I know he performed here, but I don't remember him. It sounds so familiar. may have. Virtual insanity. <laughs> that song, you know it or no? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> he wore that big hat. Yes, yes. And he was like the video. They're like walking on treadmills or something. He's like, <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, I remember now. Yo, uh, the '90s was a weird fucking time, dude. Very weird time. I think we peaked in the '90s, bro. I think that was peak humanity right there. So, <laughs> so for looking at the lineup, we we really do the East stage, West stage, or the other stage. I want to be at all of them. What about you? I'll, I'll go to East Stage. Yeah, I don't know. There's I, someone I'd try, on East I'd try and check out I'd a little like bit of everyone if I could. Did you say motherfucking Al Green? Yeah. Uh, James Brown also performed there, too. <laughs> Dude, they had the legendary R&B folks yeah. going, too. Damn, that's a that's why. And then, uh, yeah, you want to... Before we jump into, like, the big crazy shit, you want to talk a little bit about the fucking rave hanger? Uh, rave hanger. Yeah, I can, <laughs> I can go just off memory, but I'm not seeing anything. Yeah, I'm looking up something right now, see if this... Um, yeah, so they also had, like, a, a fucking hanger that was specifically dedicated to just being a rave. So fucking, like, Fatboy Slim played in there. I'm sure fucking... Uh, this, I seen the string cheese incident. It's another jam band. Um, the fucking the thing is, the hanger turned into like a giant fucking orgy. 
And it also got hot as fuck very quickly in there. So, yeah. So it was very sweaty. I'm sure people were doing ecstasy and fucking didn't have access to, like, water all the time and shit. So it was fucking wild. At one point during Fatboy Slim's uh, set, some dude stole a fucking pickup truck, a maintenance pickup truck, and drove it through the fucking hangar. Of course. Yo, uh, George George Clinton and the P Funks were there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, uh, oh yeah, go ahead. That was like, uh, if y'all remember, in, uh, Good Time, Good Burger. He was the fucking guy that had that banger song in the psych ward. Yes, dude. And fucking, uh, I always get him for some reason. I was gonna say, uh, remember Jay and Silent Bob, but that was a different band. Morris Day in the motherfucking time. Man, well, why does <laughs> this guy straight scream motherfucking time? I'm trying to watch the movie. They, uh, just to give you an idea of like how wild the rave hanger got, here's a little st- quick little story from a music producer, Aaron Subdosky, who, uh, said while he was in the rave hanger, he looked over and noticed something very unusual. He said, from the stage, I saw on one wall of the hangar several naked people lined up with their hands up against the wall. And then asked what they were doing, Subdosky replied, which biblical word would you like for it? <laughs> so that just goes to show you how fucking wild the rave hangar got, dude. Like, they legit were just, like, in there just fucking... They were just in there just fucking everyone, dude. <laughs> Everyone's getting nice and sweaty and just like fucking. I don't know why I keep saying fucking. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yo. All right. I'm looking at, because um, I know you're an IC- ICP fan. The performing at the same time as uh, like the Offspring, DMX, Corn, and Bush. What, what stage are you going to go to, the east or the west for that one? Wait, who's on which one? The West, you got the Roots, uh, ICP, and George Clinton. On the East, you got like, uh, Cheryl Carl's probably like, everybody see me sing. Well, they a couple of people asked Cheryl Crow to show her tits when she was on stage. People were screaming, show us your tits. (laughs) And at one point she said, you're going to have to spend a lot more money to see my tits. (laughs) No, And the other one's Bush and DMX. No, DMX, the Offspring, Corn. Corn, but for I'm going to that one. I did it all for the nook. I was a big insane clown posse guy when I was growing up, but well, dude, I think I'd rather see Bush. Yeah, I like Bush a lot and um, DMX too. Oh, fuck DMX. That was that. That was that DMX. When that was he, like when he was at the height, dude. Yeah, that that's was like not I'm, long after Rough Riders. That's fucking Rough Riders. No, dude, that's a Rough Rider DMX, yeah, dude. That's when he was like, <laughs> uh, but but God rest his. That was when he was like barking and shit, and it wasn't weird. <laughs> Well, I mean, it was kind of weird, but Before it wasn't the as cocaine weird. Got yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remember when somebody seen him cooking at IHOP in Buffalo? You remember that? Did you hear about that? What did he do? He was cooking at an IHOP in Buffalo. Somebody saw him in there cooking. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because he had a baby's mom or something yeah. out here. Yeah, because he got arrested out here, too. Yeah. He's, like, from Buffalo. Not, he's, like, from New York, but he's, like, grew up in Buffalo, kind of, this hard. Yeah, but yeah, I probably had to pick East Stage. For that's for Friday. But if it's possible, if it's possible, uh, the first West Stage. I, I don't know how I was. I'm looking at um, at Woodstock99.com. They don't tell you the time details. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. So I wonder if they're going on at the same time or staggered the times or something or what. But. Yo, um. The other thing, too. Uh, no, sorry to cut you off. Uh, the stages were like three miles apart from each other. So they had the concert goers had the track like three miles between fucking stages. On, and you got you got to think, dude. The original Woodstock, they did in like a fucking giant field and shit. So it was all grass underneath them. Here they're literally on an air force base, so it's all tarmac under their feet. So the hotter it fucking gets, the hotter your feet are gonna. You know what I mean? The hotter the ground underneath your feet are gonna get. Yeah. So I mean the heat and everything else, and it just like, like once the temperature started to rise, dude, it got. You know what I mean? It just that was like the first like that was the thing too. That was yeah. the first like needle it, drop before it got fu- before it, it started to get the fuck before it started to get out of control. They got very unlucky that that weekend ended up being over like a hundred degrees. Yeah. Uh, by the time Limp Biscuit hit the stage on Saturday night, uh, egged on by lead singer Fred Durst, some of the audience began tearing wooden panels from the walls during their song "Break Things." During their set, Durst said, it's time to let yourself go right now because there are no motherfucking rules out there. The mosh pit was so out of control, but afterwards in an interview, Durst denied encouraging it. I didn't see anybody get hurt. You don't see that. When you're looking out on a sea of people and the stage is 20 feet in the air and you're performing and you're feeling your music, how do you expect us to see something bad going on? Yo, it was just like um, how... I just saw the, I just, I just I just saw that recently about Fred Durst like that song break like there wasn't supposed to play that song but it was um uh, it was like uh three days <laughs> grace when um you know the hit song Riot the guy's like oh, sorry to inform you guys I think you were at that show with me I think I was yeah and sorry to inform you guys these, these these fucking people told us we can't fucking play our fucking song. But fuck him! This is my fucking stage. Here it comes. And he fucking introdu- <laughs> the fucking introduction just fucking starts playing right. Like, oh god! I remember that. I think that where was that at Darien Lake or the yeah, Square? Yeah, Darien Lake. You know what happened? I got punched in the face because of that day. <laughs> but if it wasn't me getting seats for you guys, because our our driver he oh, had kind of like a bad knee. He's like, he's Dude. never gonna let you live it down that he got seats for it. <laughs> he's gonna ride that high forever. No, um, the, the two the girls that were sitting behind us. Uh, uh, Chuba was the wingman, and uh, with our other cousin, they were Mac. And the first was our one friend. He fucking did had no chance. Chops over like, listen, man, I don't want you to bring it up all the time, but just never forget that I got just seen today. <laughs> but it was worth it because never forget it because we were exhausted. That was my first. That was my first festival. I got fucking. Uh, I got like a kid like uh, Chup size fucking got me in my sorplex. That's fucking job. He brings seventy five drinks with him. You let you let some guy fucking. You let some guy punch you in the dick hole. No, I just no. We were fucking moshing and shit. He got me in the fucking sorplex. Like fuck this shit. Uh uh. You can have it. Sweet. Thank you. Uh yeah. It was it was a fun time. <laughs> yeah, well, after uh, Limp Bizkit left the stage, you know, getting all these guys all riled up, which I won't be one of those people that says it was their fault. You know, you can't control what other people do just by playing music. But uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers came out next. And, you know, they tried to, you know, they did what they thought was a good idea at the time. Uh, they came out with an idea from the anti-gun 
Violence Organization packs. So they gave everybody candles to light uh, so that they could light them during the song Under the Bridge. But that instead added to the terrible situation because the candles were then used to start bonfires and empty bottles were set alight. Oh. And after the set, the crowd were told not to panic, but there was a bit of the pro- bit of a problem. One of the st- audio towers had been torched and set alight. <laughs> Fucking wild. I heard that the uh, they called the fire department and the fire department didn't even want to come out. Yeah. Yo, um, that was on Sunday. Once again, here's the here's a kicker. Um a jewel creed Red Hat Chili Peppers, East Stage. Uh, Our Lady Peace, Rusty Roots, Seven Dust, Collector Soul, Godsmack, and Megadeth on the West. Who you pick? Mm. I'm, pick I'm picking West Stage. Say that one more time. Um, you got like uh, Brian Sizzle, Orchestra, uh, Everlast, Elvis, Cronty. Jewel, Creed, Red Hot Chili Peppers. And then on uh, West Stage, you got uh, Our Lady Peace, Rusty Roots, Seven Dust, Collector Soul, Godsmack, and Megadeth. Whew, I'm going West, but then when Megadeth comes on, I'm going over to see the Chili Peppers. Ooh, that's a nice, g- right? I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm going West for that one, because, fuck. That's that's a show right there. That's a fire. Man, that's over there. You go over to the Red Hot Chili Peppers, you'd be all calm and collect. <laughs> you go over to the West Stage, he's like, They're fucking raging. It's <laughs> like, you get like some grandma and start fucking pushing shit on you motherfuckers. Like, yeah, what's up, butts? What if some grandma came up and started dropping like it's hot on you? Start grinding all up on you? Dude, if that, dude, if she, if it depends on how she looks. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, we we smash her in a bunch of crowd of people, or we take her back to like to the campground and then do it. Shit, it, it depends. It depends. <laughs> it depends on how, how far you are to the stage. True, and what's going on around. Yo, me. if I ever had to go to a festival or anything, if I'm up front row, I'm gonna read a depends or real caffeiner because I'm not <laughs> because if you're right in the front row, you, there's no fucking way. If you're thirsty, fuck you. you you're done. I'm not going to, I might, I might piss shit myself because I'm not leaving my spot. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> I'm trying to focus on the chaos part and all you want to talk about is the music part. <laughs> Are you going to cut me off every five minutes to ask about which bands we'd rather see? No, I'm just saying, make it, make it a little twist on it. I get the chaos. You're going to talk about the fucking chaos, not the bands. No, but let's say, uh, right, go, 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 go. <laughs> Uh, the oppressive heat uh, of the weekend of the festival was in the excess of 100 degrees, adding to the adverse conditions experienced by the attendees. The former Griffiths Air Force Base included large areas of concrete and asphalt with little or no shade, placing the entire uh, facility within its own heat island. Yeah, I've seen videos of people fucking looking for shade so bad that they were just, like, laying under fucking tractor trailers. There'd be, like, 45 people laying under one tractor. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking wild, dude. Yo, I could see, I could see like, 45 people in there, and some probably had, like, a joint. Or a couple. I bet, I bet there was a fucking good-ass rotation going on. Yeah, I bet. Uh, this effect not only caused temperatures to rise during the day, but also kept them elevated at night. The east and west stages were 2.3 miles apart forcing festival-goers to walk a long distance across hot concrete surfaces, 
camping space across the grassy areas quickly became scarce by the middle of the first day, forcing numerous attendees to camp on the heated asphalt surfaces. In an effort to find shade, multiple concert goers took refuge from the heat under tractor tailors or tables, like Troop said. Uh, In a 2021 interview, Noodles of the Offspring sedonically criticized the facility for its unsuitability for the festival. You know, there was a festival ground in Germany that was literally built by Hitler, (laughs) and we've played there a bunch of times. Great venue, bunch of fun. That air base was less hospitable than a place built by Nazis. Damn, man. Uh, And then to make efforts even worse... Numerous budget cuts were made during the hiring and delegation process for concession vendors. Organizers were first, first forced to lease services from numerous subcontractors whose contracts gave them complete control of pricing. Concessions sold by on-site vendors were regularly marked up to inconvenient prices. Bottled water was sold for $4 a bottle. <laughs> fucking highway right. During the heat of the fucking... And then supplies of food and water dwindled by the third day, over the three days of the festivals, which vendors took advantage of to raise prices. By the third day of the festivals, <laughs> Boost charged up to $12 for bottles of water. As an alternative, festival goers faced a long, locked, long walk or cramped travel via looping buses to Rome's modest shopping areas, where stores had long lines and low stock. Most outside food and drink was confiscated by security, though several concert goers reported that security often overlooked or were bribed to ignore attendees bringing in various drugs. <laughs> Some attendees stood in long lines to access the free water fountains until frustration led to numerous concert concert goers to break the pipes to provide water to those in the middle of the line. As a result, numerous mud pits began forming around the concert site, and the groundwater and soil had been contaminated by heavy metals and toxic chemicals such as tri trichlorothine. Sure, let's go with that. <laughs> and PCBs from its time as a military installation, hence its designation as a super fun cleanup site. Damn, dude. Yo, um, here's, some, uh, here's some noble uh, shit that went through. K-Rock launched in, into a brief tribute about then-President Bill Clinton's uh, scandal with Monica Lewinsky, claiming Monica Lewinsky is a fucking hoe. Bill Clinton is is a goddamn pimp. During <laughs> uh, the uh, offspring, offspring uh, performed the song Pretty Fly for a White Guy. Interesting uh, Azam actor... Uh, Guy, uh, Guy Cole, who applied in the song music video, joined on stage for the performance. It was like kind of fucking cool. Ice Ice Cube was joking, joking, claiming he was going to end his set short before t- returning to stage after two minutes, performing uh, "Straight Outta Compton," "Fuck the Police" by the former NWA band. Make the first time he had performed. Songs live since leaving the group in 1989. Oh, that's sick. I was like, what the fuck? I'm just reading these, like... Yeah, a lot of shit happened. Like, uh, like Also... Oh. Go ahead. Um, during the Red Hat Chili Peppers set, uh, uh, 
please walk uh walk out I'll say naked addressed the crowd and jumped up and down and was exploring his his junk. <laughs> Fucking flea always naked and shit. You remember the time when Red Chili Peppers put uh socks on their wieners? <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh so do we wanna get into um where were you at there? I was talking I was about to talk about the security, right? No, I was talking about the stuff with the you the know the sexuals. sanitation and stuff like oh, that. Oh, okay. Like what happened with, you know. Uh the number of porter potties installed proved insufficient for the number of attendees. Uh and the toilets and showers uh quickly became unusable and overflowing and this is when things started to really take a very bad turn because excrement from the toilets flowed into the mud pits and camping areas, Ugh. mixing with water from the broken pipes. Mm-hmm. Many attendees, not realizing this, began jumping into the mud pits and water troughs to stay cool in the heat, unaware of the contamination. Uh, this led to many cases of trench mouth and trench foot, uh, which, if you're not familiar, trench mouth is a common non-contagious infection of the gums with sudden onset. And then trench foot is uh, it's a type of foot damage due to moisture. Initial symptoms often include tingling or inching, and the feet become red or bluish in color. And you can also lose your foot from trench foot. You could also have your foot be so, amputated yeah. and shit from it. So these motherfuckers, right, because uh, like Cheetah said, back in uh, 94 Woodstock, they they had the mud people. So now people were, like, trying to follow up in that tradition and roll around and get covered in the mud and fuck in the mud and fucking throw mud at people and shit. But they didn't know that not only was the ground contaminated, the water was contaminated, and the fucking porta potties were leaking shit all into the mud, too. Yeah, and uh, initially, they had numerous trash cans that were placed around the area, but shortly after the first day... Concert goers began overturning the cans and drumming on them or rolling them across the field. And uh, the subcontracted sanitation workers often failed to appear for their duties, allowing trash to pile up throughout the site. So, I mean, it's just getting, you know, you're going, you you know, you got a fucking giant mud pit that's contaminated with shit. And then now you also have garbage just piling up everywhere. It got out of control very quickly. Shit's already off the rails, bro. Dude, just just imagine after the festival's over and everyone leaves and you tell them to roam, like, okay, guys, um, we fucked up. <laughs> right. The uh, the festival's lackluster <laughs> security were another source of blame for the violence because uh, to further cut costs and avoid the influences of the government or of the police state, according to Lang, organizers did not hire conventional security officers Officers instead sourcing adolescents and young adults from a near jo- nearby job agency to serve as the peace patrol. <laughs> so they didn't even hire real cops. They got fucking kids to work as security guards to try and keep the peace. And almost all of the peace patrol officers lacked any experience in security or law enforcement. All of the officers were unarmed. And most seemed uninterested in performing their duties. Many of the officers purported unruly conduct from their peers within the first day of the festival, including the theft of personal items from employees and guests. 
Uh, multiple security guards confiscated camping supplies from people entering the gates. Some confiscated alcoholic beverage, which then they drank themselves. <laughs> Numerous attendees entered with fake passes, few of which security confiscated. Uh, a large number of attendees had also smuggled drugs or other illicit substances into the festival, which the Peace Patrol often ignored or allowed into the grounds in exchange for a bribe. Uh, many security employees simply sold their spare security shirts to other concert goers or abandoned their post entirely. Some Peace Patrol guards alleged that others had also utilized their positions to demand sexual favors from women in the audience. Yeah, just think about that. It, it almost reminded me of uh, that fucking park in New Jersey. <laughs> oh, yeah, Action Park. Yeah, Action Park. <laughs> Yeah, then there's, you know, there's also tons of fucking sexual assaults that happen there. Uh, A ton, dude. One of them, uh, Offsprings uh, singer Dexter Holland condemned the crowd's behavior after witnessing numerous women being groped in the audience, as did Red Hot Chili Peppers bassist Flea and Jamiroquai singer J.K. during their sets. Uh, At least five rapes and numerous other sexual assaults and incidents of sexual harassment were officially filed with authorities, though it is widely believed that a far greater number of incidents occurred, which most were not reported. Uh, eyewitnesses reported a crowd-surfing woman being pulled down to the crowd and assaulted in the mosh pit during Limp Bizkit's set. Jesus. During the post-rave on Saturday night, an apparently intoxicated man stole... Oh, this is what you were talking about. Stole and drove... A maintenance truck into the rave hangar during the crowd, uh, into the crowd during Fatboy Slim's set, in which staff reported seeing a teenage girl being raped. Slim and his entourage were asked to act, evacuate the premises immediately, fleeing to a nearby airport and flying out the following morning. A volunteer also reported seeing a gang rape during Korn's performance. Man, these motherfuckers didn't give a fuck. That oh, shit was wild. You got so many people there, you you can't tell. Yeah, so that's that's how it started, I think, from what I read. It was like, it started off as like, uh, so in the vein of like Woods, the original Woodstock, a lot of girls were walking around topless and stuff. Um, so they started, the groping started when they were uh, like fucking crowd surfing. As they were, girls were going by, people, girl, uh, guys would reach up and start groping them and shit. And then, like, once these motherfuckers realized that they could get away with this shit and wasn't nothing doing any anything, it obviously fucking started getting a lot worse. But how do you how do you see some shit going down like that and not fucking intervene? You know? Yeah, I mean, it just you know the just madness. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that Friday, the first day of the concert. Um, prior to announcing DMX's performance on the East Stage, numerous concert goers began chanting, Show Your Tits, at actress Rosie Perez as she walked up to introduce him with Stephen Baldwin. <coughs> Annoyed by their chanting, she then shouted, she then retorted, I ain't showing y'all shit. DMX later performed the song, My Ninjas, <laughs> and had the crowd chanting along with him, Media outlet later reacted to the set in confusion and outrage as the overwhelmingly white audience chanted the N-word along with him. <laughs> I heard that um, 
Rosie Perez also uh, was quoted as saying uh, when they said show your tits, she was like three ninety nine blockbuster. Go check out, and she named the movie where she's topless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the show your tits chant returned during Cheryl Crow's set with Crow uh, responding, "You have to pay a lot more than you paid to get in to see my tits." Cheryl uh, Crow is pretty hot, though. She is. Yeah, Cheryl Crow the one that's on the that's the night twenty. Crow reported that one audience member had thrown feces at her during her performance of My Favorite Mistake. Uh, she later criticized the performance and festival due to the behavior of the crowd and stated that she had considered ending her set early out of disgust. In 2019, she called it the single worst gig she's ever had. Uh, a fan pelted offspring singer Dexter Holland with a beer bottle during the band's performance of Have You Ever, Have You Ever, but he continued performing unfazed. Uh, toward the end, before their performance of self-esteem, Holland condemned the crowd's misconduct after witnessing numerous women being groped, exclaiming to the audience, just because a girl wants to go crowd surfing, it doesn't give you guys the right to molest them. You know what I'm saying? Holland later told victims of sexual assault in the crowd to confront perpetrators and grab them by their fucking balls. What a G. Uh, halfway into their set, the offspring lined up five dummies with the faces of each member of the Backstreet Boys in front of their drum riser during a break in between songs. Holland then began hitting the dummies with a plastic baseball bat, and the crowd joined in by throwing water bottles at them. Some commentators have highlighted this incident as part of a pattern, sometimes violent, raucous sentiment and machismo expressed by the <clears throat> festival's male performers and attendees. While others felt it was hypocritical for MTV to promote the festival's heavier rock acts while featuring boy bands such as the Backstreet Boys on its television and radio programming. So this is where a lot of the hate for MTV and like Carson Daly also came from because like, you know, they were there, uh, you know, talking about like, oh, you know, come watch these, watch these bands perform. But then on their actual MTV, they're only showing off bands like Backstreet Boys and like NSYNC and shit. I remember. Um, so fans were like penty, well, they were like pelting water bottles at like Carson Daly and like the MTV film crew and shit. Yeah, telling them all the fuck off and at, go away. And shit. At that time, it was like a big war on MTV over like the the boy bands and shit. I remember when um Corn was like number one on TRL for like three months straight, <clears throat> and they were like calling them the 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 boy band killer and shit like yeah then it, uh, it was a hot topic there at the time you know yeah uh another one another <laughs> performer that was not you know that was upset with you know the way things was going is surprisingly insane clown posse uh they expre expressed their discontent with the price gouging of concessions the duo taped hundred dollar bills to several beach balls and kicked them into the crowd which only culminated in members of the audience fighting each yeah. other over the money. Yeah, it's like, okay, I get that you're pissed about the fucking uh, price of water being high, but when you kick a fucking beach ball with a $100 bill on it, yeah, you're only going to cause more problems. Corn's performance on Friday night considerably riled up the crowd. Oh, we talked about this, didn't we? Uh, there's a little bit, of, little bit about the Bush thing I don't think we got into. Uh, following the performance that evening, Bush... Frontman Gavin Rosdale had reportedly expressed anxiety about performing immediately after Corn due to 
fears that the crowd's energy could turn violent. The sentiment was shared by Korn's Jonathan Davis, who later admitted that his band's scheduling was mismatched with Bush's, and he had felt inadvertently placed Rossdale in a dangerous position. Uh, Bush's performance ultimately proceeded without incident and marginally calmed the crowd. Man, yeah, I'll be if I was Bush, because Bush's not as heavy as Corn. Yeah, I'd be though for like, oh, look at we tell the band like, um, all right, we're not gonna try to provoke these motherfuckers. Cause... <laughs> yeah, I feel like in retrospect they probably should have flipped them too. It should have been Bush yeah, and probably. Yo, I'll, I'll be I'll be like, okay, Bush is getting started. All right, just just calm us down before the fucking shit storm of of corn. Was that was that ninety nine during that uh, Freaks on the Leash era? Uh, I'm not sure to be honest with you. Uh, here's another here's a fun one also. Uh, during Tragically Hip's performance opening the festival's second day, uh, numerous numerous fans were anticipating Kid Rock's performance, so they pelted the band with bottles. Attempting to divert <laughs> attention from the bottles, frontman Gord Downey began humorously singing "O Canada" in appreciation for the large amount of Canadian fans present waving can- Canadian flags. Many other fans in the crowd began booing the band and singing the "Star Spangled Banner" in response. Yo, that would be like a Buffalo thing. Like, you like, like you go to a show and somebody starts saying the "Hey Hey" chant and uh, continue with it. That's like. I can't guess like, oh, he starts saying, oh, Canada, and everyone was just like, fuck you. These motherfuckers were trolls, bro. They're just trolling everybody. Exactly. Uh, then you got Alanis Morissette, who noted the apathy of the crowd during her set, as a large majority of fans in attendance were waiting for Limp Biscuits' performance. Uh, some began booing near the end of her set as they grew impatient. Before her song, You Oughta Know, a few fans could be heard chanting for Limp Biscuit. Uh, by the Appalled by the prices of concessions, Kid Rock and Wyclef Jean demanded the audience throw their empty water bottles on stage in between songs. <laughs> I think there's more to that. I think uh, George Clinton was playing after Kid Rock. I wonder if he had him throw all the water bottles on stage. So Maybe. that fucking my man Clinton didn't get a hit because he's a legend, you know. Uh, maybe. Uh, then we come to the, the big one, Limp Bizkit, the uh, heaviest band. Violence, ever crisis oh, yeah. stage. <laughs> this is when things started getting really wild. Uh, violence and vandalism escalated during the evening's performance by Limp Bizkit. Concert goers also began moshing violently visibly destroying nearby structures and utilizing the plywood barriers to crowd surf. Frontman Fred Durst addressed the crowd following the song Counterfeit after being approached by the festival staff. They want to ask us to ask you to mellow out a little bit. They say too many people are getting hurt. Don't let anybody get hurt, but I don't think you should mellow out. Mellowing out? That's what Alanis Morissette had you motherfuckers do. If someone falls, pick them up. The tension ultimately boiled over during their performance of Break Stuff, and Durst briefly riled up the audience before the song by asking if they liked In Sync, earning numerous boos and jeers. During the song's breakdown, Durst addressed the crowd. 
Time to reach deep down inside and take all that negative energy and let that shit out of your fucking system. You got girl problems. You got boy problems. You got parent problems. You got boy boss problems. You got job problems. You got a problem with me. You got a problem with yourself. It's time to take all that negative energy and put it in the put it the fuck out. Once the breakdown ended, concert goers immediately began destroying smaller buildings adjacent to the stage and aggressively moshing and punching each other. A large number of attendees also began ripping plywood off of the perimeter fence as they attempted to surf on the broken panels. This resulted in several pieces collapsing, dropping crowd surfers onto other fans and possibly crushing them. Terrified of the hostile crowd, several stage technicians assigned to cover the central sound tower jokingly placed a sign reading the Alamo below the cameras. The technicians were eventually ordered by the grounds crew to evacuate their post. Uh, and then following the conclusion of the song, the broadcast team muted Durst's mic while medical staff took in numerous injured concert goers. Uh, Durst addressed the crowd once again during the performance of Nookie, telling the audience, we already let all the negative energy out. It's time to reach down and bring that positive energy to this motherfucker. It's time to let yourself go right now, because there are no motherfucking rules out there. And, you know, you can't tell a bunch not of fucking... The best, yeah. uh, <laughs> not the most well-thought-out thing to you'll, say. He'll be like, yeah, motherfuckers... Uh, you fucking shit up. We need these negatives out. Can you fucking roll up from your deep of your soul? Fucking show the positive for us for this fucking next song. Like, are you fucking kidding me, Doris? Nah, well, he's just ramping them up to take it to the next level, basically, you know? Yeah. Yo, dude. That I, just went horrible. When they were wrong. already torn, tearing shit up. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, following Nookie, the performance of Nookie, Durst walked to the edge of the stage and asked the crowd to assist him as he attempted to crowd surf on the broken plywood. Security implored Durst to not crowd surf, but he was undeterred as he asked the crowd to pass him a panel of plywood on which he later sang Faith, closing the band set. <laughs> Durst later explained that he had wanted to demonstrate himself and join the performance with his audience, Following the set, he was approached by Limp Biscuit manager Peter Castus and several police officers who informed him the plywood was ripped off of buildings after fans had destroyed multiple structures during his band's performance. John Schur would later vilify Durst for his actions on numerous occasions, noting that numerous staff members were approached uh, numerous staff members approached Durst between songs asking him to calm the crowd. I mean, that's not really... You can't really blame fucking them, you know what I mean? I mean they're, they're a band playing a set. Right. You know? And uh, it was fucking pretty iconic to see him on the plywood and the crowd surfing like that. I mean... You can't blame the guy for... for I mean, he didn't help the situation. Oh, no, But you can't all. give him all the blame. This shit was already happening before they played. Uh, they were one of the biggest bands at the time. What do you... What is he supposed to do? You know? He... I, I agree he could have maybe said some different stuff, but what's going to happen was going to happen regardless, so yeah. even if Limp Bizkit played or not. Uh, so, yeah, then Katzis defended Durst in an interview for Netflix 22 documentary on the festival, claiming that pointing the finger at Fred is about the last thing anybody should do. 
There really isn't a way to control 300,000 people. The best thing he could do is put on the best show possible, and that's what he did. Limp Biscuit guitarist Wes Borland would also defend Durst, instead blaming the festival's poor conditions. Jonathan Davis was present for the Durst's actions for Limp Bizkit's performance along with corn bassist Fieldy. Davis initially condemned Durst's conduct, though he would later opine that Durst's actions were... Uh, would later... Durst's actions were not the primary catalyst for the violence. Uh, Nine Inch Nails frontman Trent Reznor later mocked Durst for his actions during an October 1999 interview with Rolling Stone telling interviewers, Fred Durst can surf a piece of plywood up my ass. (laughs) That's healthy. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. (laughs) Fucking Trent Reznor's a fucking douche, too, but that was pretty funny. Yo, I think I think Woodstock '99. That's uh, probably I'm looking at photos of of Woodstock '99 of Fred Durst's shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, his fucking crazy bases, I mean, all fucking all bringing his war paint or nothing. You know how they do with the black eye? Yeah, yeah, West Borland. Yeah. West Borland. He's not. He looks normal in this picture. That's funny. Unless unless there's a group photo before he goes on stage. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yes. Yeah, you want me to get into the last day? Or? Yeah, you can get into it. Uh, so Sunday, uh, due to continually deteriorating conditions, violence, and misconduct escalated further through the final day. Uh, in a twenty, or yeah, escalated throughout the final day. In a twenty twenty one interview, Jewel recalled a feeling of dread during her performance due to the audience's tension and bitterness. She, her manager, and the road crew immediately returned to their tour bus and fled the site following the set. Fans had begun regularly throwing bottles at the stage during her set, as well as Creed's earlier in the day. Seven Dust drummer Morgan Rose recalled his band being escorted by numerous security guards to the stage for their set as attendees grew increasingly violent following Jewel's performance. Numerous witnesses recalled noticing a growing frequency of fights and property damage across the facility during Godsmack's performance. (laughs) I love Godsmack. Uh, the tension finally came to a climax during the concert's final hours as Red Hot Chili Peppers performed on the East Stage and Megadeth performed on the West Stage. One fan shown a laser pointer at Megadeth frontman Dave Mustaine in the middle of their performance, angering him as he criticized the crowd's unruly behavior. A group of peace promoters led by the anti-gun violence organization PAX had distributed candles to those stopping at their booth during the day, intending them to be lit for a candlelight vigil for the victims of Columbine during the Chili Peppers performance of Under the Bridge, like Cheetah mentioned earlier. Uh, the only problem was this had not been mentioned by, to, or approved by local firefighting authorities. The crowd began to light the candles during the Chili Peppers set, with some of them, start, with some of them using them to start bonfires. Plywood and trash strewn around the site were used to fuel the fires, which had spread to both stages by the end of the two performances. After the Red Hot Chili Peppers finished their main set, the audience was informed about a bit of a problem. An audio tower had caught fire, and the fire department was called in to extinguish it, though they refused the call due to the fear of the audience. Shortly after the tower began burning, a large group of concertgoers climbed the base of the scaffolding and the tower collapsed onto the field. What the fuck, man? Right? <laughs> Jesus 
Biscuit. No, hold on, hold on. Before you continue on, I don't because if Limbiscuit started destroying shit, I was like, okay, players, um, okay, we gotta have to cancel the rest of the show because the Limbiscuit went too far. Thank you, like Limbiscuit, but no, they give these fucking free candles to these motherfuckers. That rip. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm like, how they not see that shit coming? And uh, the fucked up thing is the mayor is like there. The fucking mayor of the city of Rome is just like in attendance seeing all this fucking madness going down. Uh, he pleaded, his name's Joe Griffo, uh, pleaded with the Chili Peppers to return to the stage and calm the crowd in the midst of all the chaos. Frontman Anthony Kiedis exclaimed that there was nothing he could do to quell the aggressive crowd as the fires continued to grow. After ultimately returning to the stage, he remarked to the fires, Holy shit, it's an apocalypse now out there. What <laughs> <laughs> oh, the fuck? Uh, wild. Yo, yo, just imagine me the mayor like, Oh, God. Oh, we got all these people making revenue for us. Hey. What the fuck? It's like Friday's like, okay, just, I'm digging it. I wish to do a little bit better. Saturday's like, oh, my son likes this lemon biscuit. I'm like, what the fuck? I was like, okay. I got, I got over that. And fucking Sunday, like, like you, guys like this, Paul's like, oh, oh god, he's probably terrified. <laughs> He'd be like terrified. He's probably deep down like, fuck yeah, fuck this city. <laughs> uh, so multiple media outlets blame the Red Hot Chili Peppers for inciting the fires after performing of the cover of the Jimi Hendrix song "Fire." Kudis later wrote in his, uh, or Kudis finally wrote in his biography, Scar Tissue, that Hendrix's sister had instead asked them to play Fire in honor of Hendrix and his performance at the original Woodstock Festival. He continued, it was clear that this situation had nothing to do with Woodstock anymore. It wasn't symbolic of peace and love, but of greed and cashing in. Yeah, you can't, like we said at the beginning of all this, dude, it's... It was very clear when it came to, like, you know, cutting corners on a lot of shit that they weren't doing this to honor what had come before them. They were doing this to try and get... Yeah, it's a fucking cash grab. Dude. Yeah, they just... They were like, oh, you know, 30th anniversary of Woodstock. Woodstock was fucking huge. We can make bank off this shit. So let's fucking do it, and we'll just do it terribly, but who gives a fuck because yeah. we're going to make money. Right, with little thoughts of the people there or the bands and shit. And people probably caught, they obviously caught on to that shit very early and said, fuck this fucking place, you know. Uh, prior to the start of the performances that day, rumors arose about a possible unannounced performance following the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Prince, the Rolling Stones, and fucking Michael Jackson were among the artists thought to be... Uh, the secret closing act. Sharon Lang continued to hype up the finale to the, festi- to the festival during multiple press conferences earlier in the afternoon. Following the Chili Peppers performance, it was revealed to be a laser show and footage of Jimi Hendrix performing at the original show in 1969. Much to the anger of the attendees, the audience began to boo and attack the vendor booths in large groups. That's like, that's like the other thing, too. Like, you can't... You know what I mean? No right person is going to feel bad for these guys who put on this festival because they didn't... You know what I mean? They didn't... You, you literally... You knew it was already turned into a shit show. So on the last day, you're hyping up something that's not even going to be something. You know what I mean? You're bringing it on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying, hey, motherfuckers, can you, can you come this shit down, man? We got a fucking special guest, Michael Jackson. That was shit was yeah, a wild. Dude, you would have got booed off stage <laughs> yo, so quick. Yeah, I guarantee you, if... 
if if Getting Loser was at Woodstock 99 and we were at that part with Red Hot Chili Peppers starting that shit and they said Michael Jackson, it's like, boo, we want more, not this dude. It's like, who's actually there? That, that guy right there. Uh, all right, so uh, many large high bonfires were burning before the end of the final performances. Participants danced in circles around the fires. Looking for more fuel, some tore off plywood panels from the... Uh, we already talked about that. Uh, ATMs were tipped over and broke into. Uh, shit was burglarized. The sound equipment. Uh, apparently $22,000 in total was robbed from ATMs. Frightened festival members barricaded themselves inside the control tower while the chaos unfolded outside. The few vendors left in attendance fled the site. Dude, it literally turned into like right. a fight for like yeah, life it was and death. Fucking dude. mayhem, dude. Literally people fearing that they weren't going to fucking make it out alive. That's yeah. how crazy it got. And uh, not having the cops there was a big fucking mistake. Yeah, that was a dude. horrible fucking idea. Uh, MTV was hired to cover the festival extensively. However, as the uh, environment devolved, attendees uh, grew increasingly hostile towards anchors and staff. Uh, Daly recalls being pelted by bottles, rocks, and batteries frequently while he was covering the festival, noting that executives from MTV issued a statement to their staff on the site uh, from Viacom that Viacom no longer can guarantee their safety. The network ultimately evacuated its entire crew amidst the violence on Sunday night. Longtime anchor Kurt Loder likened the experience of covering news in a war zone, particularly during the final night as concertgoers began violently attacking the news trucks and reporters. By 11.45 p.m., the chaos had attracted attention from nearby law enforcement. A large force of 500 to 700 New York State uh, police troopers, local police officers, and various other law enforcement arrived. Most had riot control gear and proceeded to form a riot line that flushed the crowd to the northwest, away from the stage located at the eastern end of the airfield. Some reports state that numerous members of the crowd offered strong resistance and they dispersed back toward the campground and out the main entrance. Others claim that the riot line allowed the concertgoers to tire themselves out in the campground area and that the fires were not contained until well after sunrise. And then here is when we come to the unfortunate news that you know nobody wants to hear during these kinds of things, <laughs> but unfortunately three deaths did occur during the festival. Uh, on the first night, Friday, a 44-year-old man identified as Scott L. Stanley of Hyannis, Massachusetts, succumbed to heat exhaustion. Stanley was in attendance with his 16-year-old foster son and other friends. He had also been an attendee of the original Woodstock in 69. Holy shit. That's it. Officers reported finding Stanley's body in the campground. The cause of death was later to be determined to be a heart attack. On Saturday... 24-year-old David DeRosia collapsed in the crowd during Metallica's performance. Concert medical staff initially tried to treat his seizure and what they expected to be a drug overdose. DeRosia was transported to Air Force Base Medical Center and then airlifted to University Hospital in Syracuse. A little more than an hour after he had collapsed, DeRosia's body temperature was 107 degrees. Uh, the following afternoon, he fell into a coma and died at 12.09 p.m. on Monday, July 26th, having never awoken. The autopsy report ruled the death accidental and lists the cause of death as hypothermia, along with an enlarged heart and obesity. 
In 2001, DeRose's mother filed a lawsuit in the New York Supreme Court against the promoters of Woodstock 99 and the six doctors who worked at the event, maintaining that DeRosa died because of the concert promoter's negligence in not providing enough fresh water and adequate medical care for the attendees. And then uh, Tara K. Weaver, a 28-year-old woman from Troy, New York, was struck and killed by a speeding car while she was walking alone across the road to leave the concert. So she was trying to do the right thing. She was trying to get the fuck out of there, and she was killed. I, I, I know. I know. Song's fucked up. For all those crazy rides and shit, you only have three deaths. I think that is. A, I, I was I, a little I, surprised too. By I, that. No, I thought it'd be more. But I don't want to be like, hey, well, you're fucked up. No, I'm thinking only having three deaths. All those fucking crazy rides and shit. Well, listen, that's even even more shocking, dude. Fucking. Reporters suggest that 42 to 44 people were arrested over the course of the festival. That's all? Out of 400,000 people. A supervisor of two state troopers who had posed with naked female attendees was suspended. A New York State prison guard was charged with sodomizing a 15-year-old girl during the riots. 253 people had been treated at the area hospitals. The official numbers of fans treated on site is between 4,000 and 4,500. Yet Dr. Richard Kaskaw, one of the few area doctors who worked on the medical tent, says that he was told by Vukulo, who issued the official stats, that the numbers were far higher, that of 8,000 to 10,000 range. Wait, wait, before we continue on, only 44 people got arrested. That's, once again, I'm not going to be crediting... These forty-four people, but that that percentile. Yeah, are, but it shouldn't even been forty-four people. It shouldn't have been zero deaths, zero people arrested, zero people hurt. Right. But 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 um, but these shows nowadays that people people get arrested for fighting. But I'm surprised about forty-four people. Are I continue on? I'm going to try to figure out what what percent that is. Shortly afterwards, the New York State Department of Health reported five thousand. 162 medical cases related to the festival. After the concert, members of the National Women National Organization for Women gathered outside the New York offices of one of the promoters to protest the sexual violence against women which had occurred. Police investigated for four instances of rape occurred during the concert. In October 2000, a woman sued Oneida County and Michael Lang for personal energy over sexual assault at the festival. Numerous lawsuits were filed against the organizers over the poor environmental conditions of the festival. The New York Times solicited festival performers rage against the machine for their opinion on the controversy surrounding the festival. Guitarist Tom Morello wrote on August 5, 1999, Neil Strauss's Times column, Hey man, leave the kids alone. I've had enough of the frenzied demonization demonization of young people surrounding Woodstock 99. Yes, Woodstock was filled with predators, the degenerate idiots who assaulted those women, the greedy promoters who wrung every cent out of thirsty concertgoers, and last but not least, the predator media that turned a blind eye to the real violence and scapegoated the quarter of a million music fans at Woodstock 99, the vast majority of whom had the time of their lives. Uh, The post-festival cleanup of the site took three weeks. Organizers spent an estimated $78,000 resodding the stage and mosh pit areas. Approximately 12 trailers, a small bus, and a number of 
<laughs> Booths and portable toilets were damaged by the fire in the fray. Some of the trailers had coolant or propane tanks that exploded. After numerous lawsuits and fines resulting from the incidents occurring throughout the event, the city of Rome only profited $200,000 from the entire event. Following the event, That's crazy. San Francisco Examiner journalist Gene Ganahl cast doubt on the ability to promote another high-profile Woodstock concert and described the event as the day the music died. That's because of that. Uh, because of that reason, the mu- the day the music died. They're talking about rock, like rock music was dying. That's where it, that's where it all came from. Now that, that makes sense now. You know, yeah. As soon as uh. Cheetos over there talking. I did, I did the percentile. It's not even for those forty-four people that got arrested for over four hundred thousand people. Is point zero zero one, uh, one, uh, not even a percentile. Yeah, it's wild. But, Listen to this. But also, they didn't have police till the the last day too. You know. So. Just imagine if they had police. During the whole, sh- I, I bet that number would probably be up in the thousands, hundreds. L- Listen all. Thousands. Listen to this bullshit though. Lang attempted to orchestrate Woodstock 50 in 2019 <laughs> at Watkins Glen International Raceway. Yeah, I went there. To mark the 50th anniversary, anniversary of the original Woodstock Festival. Due to logistical issues and lack of capital funding, he was forced to cancel the festival on July 31st, 2019. Limp Biscuit, who were heavily, heavily criticized for the role in the festival, performed at the 2021 Lollapalooza in Chicago while promoting their new album, Still Sucks. Prior to the performance of Break Stuff, Fred Durst addressed the crowd, expressing disapproval of the ongoing misconduct whilst the band performed a song at the festival 22 years earlier, telling the crowd, let me make this clear, this is not Woodstock 99. Fuck all that bullshit. (laughs) Yo, I think Fred Durst went off the rail. He see him the perm now? Yo, yeah, but that's another that's another festival I want to go to. There's a, a lot of Palooza in Chicago. It's like a three day festival. And as for the legacy that Woodstock '99 left on the world, less than a week after the conclusion, promoters in Indio, California, announced the inaugural Coachella Festival with an em- emphasis to distance themselves from the unrest and damage that unfolded in Rome, including offering free water bottles and parking to those in attendance. Uh, The Simpsons also poked fun at the festival's incidents in the episode It's a Mad, 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 Mad Marge, in which Otto attends the festival, his clothes catch fire, and he refuses to pay $8 for a water bottle, only to be saved by a girl who uses her water bottle to extinguish him. Uh, The Daily Show's then-host, Jon Stewart, humorously reported on the riots and vandalism, claiming destruction and vandalism were corporately sponsored. Stewart and his co-host Beth Littleford poked fun at the demographics and attendees' perceived racial bias in news reporting. It wasn't a riot because the audience was 99% white. Wow. The upstate New York authorities classified it as youthful exuberance. Wow. And that is the tale of Woodstock 99. Holy. And a wild tale it is. And it truly, for some, it truly can be considered as the day the music died. Because, like they said, now they'll never be able to perform, put on another Woodstock ever again. 
because of how bad that because of what they did for that one. God. Woodstock died that day. And then Coachella was born the next year. Right. Uh, as for uh if you guys, I mean, it, you know, if you, there's a few documentaries too you can watch if you want to, you know, go watch a couple of those. There's some really fucking good ones. Uh there's a documentary on HBO uh called Woodstock 99 Peace, Love and Rage. Um there's another one on Netflix. It's a three-part documentary titled Trainwreck Woodstock 99. Uh it has new interview it has features new interviews of concert goers, journalists present at the festival, artists whose performance that performed at the festival and co-promoters John Schur and Michael Lang. So you know, go find those guys' social media too and tell them they're pieces of shit. Tell them I sent you. Tell them Large Marge sent you. But yeah, man, what a fucking doozy of an episode. Definitely. You know? Covered a lot. I tried to cover as much as possible without, you know, doing too much. But All yeah, right, man. boys. Getting late. I'm trying to get out of here. So, Very good episode. Hell yeah. Yeah, That's man. probably our longest one. How long did that run? One hour, 36 minutes and seven seconds. Damn. That was two hours. Nice. Yeah, so uh, no fucking around this week. We're just going to get the fuck out of here because we're all tired. <laughs> we're not going to sleep. Uh, I got good. But, Thanks uh, for waiting uh, for the episode this week. Yeah. yeah. And uh, next week, we'll be back with another banger. Another good one. So, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Oh, God. I'm cramping Later. up now.